I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors. Good morning. That's like 30%, 35. Good morning. Don't you hate that when people do that? I, but I just want to engage you. We're engaged in this process together. This has been, uh, we're in a season as a church. With the, we've had some, our, our world is a tough place and, uh, and our community has experienced some tough things and some of our individual families have experienced some, some unthinkable things. And so we're just, we're, we're being God's people together and uh, it's been sweet to do that. And it's really sweet to worship today together. We're gonna come to God's word. Let's pray one more time. I like to pray like this. If we put our hands out like this as a um, symbol of our receptivity, would you join me in doing that? Um, It's sort of an act of um, intentionality. Father God, I trust you're pleased as you look around the room and see your people with their hands out expecting to hear from you. Trusting, God, that um, you have a word for them that would meet them right where they are. We do come to you expectantly. That's why our hands are, are out, our palms are turned upwards. We long for you to pour out from heaven what you have. Some truth that I need to correct my thinking, some encouragement I need because I need more courage. Some, some correction because I'm going the wrong way. I don't want to miss you, God, this morning as we look into your word. So by your Holy Spirit who inspired this word, would you speak now? And don't let me leave here the same as I came. If that's your prayer, say amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to, um, in, in about five seconds, we're going to turn on the lights, so brace yourself, because we're going to study God's word again. I did this a few, uh, two, one, click. Nice. That's it. I wanted to warn you, because it's a little abrupt. We have no middle ground. We're researching options for our lights here. But we want you to, uh, to pull out um, your Bibles. And uh, would you do this? Would you do me the favor of grabbing, everybody grabbing a Bible? There are Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you. And um, we're going to get into Colossians together. We've been in the habit. If you're in the front row, like these poor guys right here, would you help them in the back row and hand them Bibles? That would be awesome. Um, and uh, Pastor Ben, you got your Bible there? Okay, good. We, um, we're in Colossians. And we're in the habit of this uh, summer in the scriptures going uh, through these verses, we're reading together, and we would, uh, we're, we're not putting the scriptures up on the screen because we want us to dig into our Bibles. And um, I'm going to um, just sort of encourage you to do that so everybody has one in front of them because this is the way that we study God's word and um, as we dig right in. Some of you have electronic Bibles, that's great. Some brought your own, that's great. And, uh, uh, but pull out a Bible so that you have one available. Everybody got one? Everybody want to, um, anybody need to tattle on somebody next to you? Go ahead, raise your hand if the person next to you does not have a Bible open. Okay, good. Well done. Last hour, somebody did. He's like, my wife, she's just so rebellious right here. He's like, um, we're in the book of Colossians. Oh, did you find the page number? Sorry. Noah, what page number is Colossians in? Are you there yet? 1088, 1089 is where we are. Something like that in those Bibles underneath the um, seats in front of you. Well, friends, we are, like I said, we're in Colossians, and, um, and Paul has just been talking about how he has been contending for the faith of these dear believers that are up against all kinds of challenges. And that's us. Is that not us? And that's why we prayed last week. We were contending for one another, standing with one another, strengthening one, one another in Christ. 
And so he has been kind of pouring out his heart about contending for these guys that they would know Jesus. And then he turns a corner at verse five um, of chapter two. And he says, so now, and he's kind of going forward. And I titled this message, The Way Forward. Like, what do we do now? What do we do now as we're in the midst of contending, as we know that Christ is the rock upon which we stand? And now what do we do? How do we go forward? And he basically says this. He says, some version of this, friends, life's going to throw you stuff that will require more from you than simply receiving Christ. We're going to have to build on that. Todd, you see something in there? Oh, Todd needs a Bible. Would somebody hook the brother up? Thank you. I want you to read with me first uh, uh, the, the, those verses, not the first verse, the sixth and seventh verse of um, Colossians chapter two. I'm going to read it once, and then we're going to read it together if you have the same version as me. Otherwise, you can follow along in your translation. Remember this, that this was written in Greek? The original was written in Greek, and so it's translated into English, and so a couple different Groups of people have translated differently, and that's why sometimes you have a little bit of a different English translation. Uh, we were going to do the Greek, and I took a poll, and none of you spoke it, so we just said, forget it, <laughs> including me. All right. Verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's do that one more time, especially if you have that version, with, read it with me, starting with so. Ready? So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's the word of the Lord. That's how he begins this passage. So then, we've been contending. Now, what's the way forward? He says, the way forward, friends, is that we can't just settle on the fact that, we'll, that we've received Christ. Do you see it in your text? I'm down here among you uncomfortably making eye contact with you because I want you to be in your Bibles and I want you to see what we're looking at. Look at what he says. So then, just as you received Christ, Jesus says, Lord, now what does it say? What's the next word? Continue to live your lives in him. Continue to live your lives in him. You received Christ, that's awesome. You understood who Jesus was, that he forgave your sins and that he got a hold of you. He goes, that's so great, but life will require more of us than just receiving Christ. We continue to live our lives in him. We continue forward. We live in Christ. We're gonna live in such a way that it reflects what it was that we received. You with me on that? You see where he's going? And so he's gonna go on in verse seven to go, here's a way forward. Here's how we continue in him. Verse seven, he lists three things. Okay, welcome to pastor's preparation. We're all doing it in three minutes right here. So you're gonna write the sermon for me right now. You see where I'm gonna go. This is why we're, where we're headed. Verse seven, he says three things about continuing to live our lives in him. I'm gonna give you 21 seconds to prepare this sermon, okay? In silence, go ahead, look at verse seven. What are the three ways that we continue to live our lives in him? You got it, Noah? 
You got him? Here we go. Here's my sermon. You already got it. You know where we're headed, but let's look and see what it, what it says. What's the way forward? How do we continue to live our lives in him? First thing he says is rooted and built up in him. It's a connected thought. We're going to put both of them together. Some of you were like, there was like four. It was driving me nuts. You're right. I'm sorry. I should have been more clear. Rooted and built up in him. See that phrase in your scriptures? Rooted and built up in him. Now, just as you receive Christ, that's great. It's a good start. But now you've got to continue to live your life in him. He says, so, so be rooted and built up in him. It's kind of almost saying the same thing, right? Be rooted, that's the start, and then be built up in him. Rooted, of course, if you just picture the roots, you picture them going down into the soil. They get the nourishment that's there. They get the water that's there. It's the source of life. Pastor Art has a, has a, has a, a, a saying that he, he, when he talks about Christ, he says he's the source of life and he's the way of life. Have you ever heard him say that? He's the source of life and he's the way of life. The roots are the source of life. As you're going to continue in him, you're going to know that you're rooted in. You can't unpull those roots. That's the foundation of everything that we believe. We're rooted in Christ. We understand that Jesus has died for our sins, that Jesus Christ has forgiven us, that Jesus Christ is, the, is God in flesh, and that he will be our Savior. Like That's our rooting. That's, that's the source of life. And we connect ourselves to him. Right? Rooted. Then it says, and built up in him. Built up in him, it's almost like a metaphor change. It's, it's almost like now we're going to be building. We're going to be built up in him. It's like every brick or every board, every two by four, every joist, every stud. Stud. Every stud. It's a lot of studs. Every stud is rooted in that foundation. I mean, it's built on that foundation. It's part of, of, that, of that solid place. He says, so now build yourself up in him. Do you see the words in him? Does it say that or am I making that up? Okay, I want you to, you got to check because we will make stuff up up here. Seriously. <laughs> so tired. It's been a long week for us. We've, I'm compromised, so I could just be saying junk. Okay, built up in him. Think about built up in him. Think about built up in, what's the way forward? That we continue to live our lives being built up in him. Every board that gets put on the house of our lives, so to speak, is on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It's almost like he's saying, look at, okay, it's been awesome that you've been a Christian. Now, today, tomorrow, you're a Christian. Now, you live that out in every single board that goes up on the house. Every brick that you lay, every conversation you have, every relationship that you're in, every day that's been given to you, every dollar that comes into your bank account, right? Every board that goes on the house is in Christ. We don't go, I'm a Christian, that's awesome, and now I'm just going to go live my life. Everything comes under the lordship of Jesus. Everything comes under the understanding that Jesus is the Christ. It's everything. And friends, we actually can be tempted to build our lives sort of apart from this, well, I'm a Christian, but then I have this is what I do. No, that, they're never separate. Do you, do you get the point that I... Here's how you continue on. You make sure that every brick, every single board is part of this foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'm a Christian. I've been saved. I've been forgiven. Now I'm going to live every day, every moment, every decision. And so it informs how we date. It informs how we interact with television. It informs how we deal with pornography. It informs how we deal with racism. It informs every single part of our lives, every board. 
It reminds me, and this is maybe further study, it reminds me of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul talks about nobody can lay a foundation other than the one Jesus Christ has laid. Jesus has laid the foundation. He says, now build carefully. Carefully. He says, you can come along, you're going to build with gold and silver and precious things and wood and hay and stubble. He goes, you're, you're going to build, build carefully because in the end, friends, life in the end on that day, he says on the day, capital D, like the end, what you build with is going to be tested by fire. That's what the scriptures teach. It matters how you build. He goes, fire's going to come. It's going to burn stuff up that wasn't worth it. But if we build carefully, then we're continuing on in him. Build carefully is what the scriptures teach us. This is how we go forward. Build on the root, on the foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord and everything aligns with that. I saw that picture of the, um, of the, the framing on it and I brought back to the first Mexico house building trip I ever went to with Jerry Moyer down in, um, in Tijuana. And we had to build this roof but it had to be perfectly square according to the foundation or it wasn't going to sit right on the house. It wasn't going to work. But they gave us, the, we were high school. Well, I wasn't. I had a, a crew of high school people down there building this house. This is a super stupid idea. And at the end of it, of course, it, the, the boards that we put up there didn't match the foundation. And all I remember is Jerry Moyer's like, well, that's why I brought this. And he goes to the truck and he gets this sledgehammer that's about this long, that big head like that. And he literally goes like this wham, and he hits the top of the roof to sort of like go, so that it aligned with the foundation. He did it about a thousand times. Be careful how you build so that it lines up with our foundation in Christ. That's the first thing he says. That's the first point in the sermon. Here's how we go forward. We're rooted, but then from that, we're built up in Christ. Everything we do, submitted to Jesus as our Lord. Everything is interpreted by that. How's your dating life? Is it interpreted as a Jesus person? How's the way you interact with people in, in, at work? Is it rooted in, how are you facing the crises that you're facing? Is it rooted in the reality that Jesus Christ is Lord? How are you in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the unfigured un, un, un out stuff, pain, angst, confusion? Is it that even being built on this foundation that Jesus Christ is Lord? What's the second thing that he says? Root, built, uh, rooted and built up in him. Then the second thing he says, strengthened. Strengthened in what? Does it say strengthened in faith? Say the faith. Strengthened in the faith. As you were taught. That's the next phrase, right? Am I right? Strengthened in the faith. The faith. Whenever you see the faith, you guys, it's not talking about strengthened in faith. It's not saying, hey, have more faith. Which, by the way, telling somebody to have more faith is always a little bit but like, you know, have more faith. And you're like, okay, you know. <laughs> it's strengthened in the faith. The faith means it's the body of understanding. It's the body of theology. It's the body of knowledge about who God is. Friends, it's the, it, he's the faith, he says, as you were taught. It was the faith that were, was revealed by Jesus on the foundation of the Old Testament teaching, taught by Jesus, given to his apostles, by the Holy Spirit inspired into other authors as well and put down in this for us. That's what this is. So when the, the point is strengthened in the faith as you were taught, it's saying, here's how you go forward. You get stronger and stronger in this. 
You get stronger and stronger in the truth. You, you get strengthened by being a part of the teaching of this. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Not strengthened in how you're interpreting this, but strengthened in the faith as God inspired it, preserved it, handed it down, and has now been teaching it. You'll be strengthened in God's word. I, I asked Dan Nichols, our friend Dan, who goes to Africa, just to, I go, send me a picture of you guys studying the word. Dan goes to Africa. Remember, it was like, Dan, it's like, Dan just like, I'm going to Africa because there's some people over there I connected on the internet who need to learn how to study God's word. They don't have the same tools we did. So Dan went to Africa. He's been there twice, got his third trip planned. And this is, he just brought over a Bible study method. And these are African Christians without pastors, without training. And they're teaching one another God's word. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Now, it's interesting that that's his next thing because he has some verses afterward that really relate to it. Strengthened in the truth as you were taught. Verse eight, look at verse eight with me. Here's the alternative to being strengthened in the faith. Verse eight says, see to it, so sort of on, on the contrary, you know, and as a contrast, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on what? On Christ. Here's the continual in Christ. Build yourself up in Christ, right? He says, so but be careful. You strengthen yourself in the faith, in the truth. But be careful because you can be, instead of being in the truth, by the way, what did Jesus say about truth? He said, the truth will set you free. The, the opposite of that is you can be in bondage. You can be held captive by what? Look at the words. By what? Hollow, deceptive, deceptive philosophy. Hollow and deceptive philosophy. That philosophy is not on Christ. It's not rooted in the truth. It's what? Look, look at your verse. It's, it depends on what? Human tradition. Oh, that's always super reliable. People's perspectives. Human tradition and elemental spiritual forces. Some of your Bibles may read the basic principles of the world. Not really sure how to trans they're not really sure how to translate that. Could mean both. Depends on human tradition, or it could depend on uh, demonic spirits, or it could depend on just basically the way people live. But not on Christ. The point is, you could be in captivity, held in bondage by living your life in such a way that's not rooted in the truth. How do you continue on? You strengthened in the faith that you were taught. Be careful of living according to non-truth that's out there, hollow, deceptive, rooted in the basic principles of this world. Now, wait a minute. You go, I don't, I don't believe any hollow and deceptive philosophy. I'm smarter than that. No, you're not. <laughs> None of us are. We live and breathe our cultural values. We live and breathe the way that our culture thinks and feels. We're affected by it way before we even have any sense that we're affected by it. And that's okay. Culture's culture. Culture is people. God loves people. God loves culture. That's okay. Except that when you build your life on something, you have to be strengthened in the faith that you were taught, not held captive by anything in that culture that isn't true. So you just, just like you look at your life and go, is this brick on the foundation of Jesus Christ? 
You also say, is this feeling, is this thought, is this philosophy, is this value, is this operating principle that I have, is it in the truth? Or is it kind of just from the world? If we had a smaller group, we'd be right now talking about, like, what's a hollow and deceptive philosophy? And I bet we could start thinking about all the things that we hear and see and talk about. We'd be like, there's tons of them. Just with regard to religion, here's one. Um, God helps those who help themselves. You know where that is in the Bible? It's not in the Bible. It's a trick question. It's not in the Bible. There's all kinds of stuff like that where we think, that sounds like that should be in the Bible. We should have a game sometime where we put it up front, in the Bible, not in the Bible. And I bet we could stump one another a bunch of times because there's stuff that we just live in that feels true, but it's not true. We have to test it against being strengthened in the faith as we were taught. So God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. God helps anybody who cries out to him because they're desperate for him even if they can't help themselves. His grace does that. Here's one. There's a reason for everything that happens that is not biblical, friends. Stuff happens because of this broken world and broken people who are disobedient to God. God redeems stuff. God heals stuff. God can make good out of anything, but there's not a reason for everything that happens. It's not biblical, but it feels kind of right. It feels almost noble to say that, right? Um, I had fun actually thinking about all of the ones that I, that I am tempted to believe. Here's one. God just wants me to be happy. Of course. Of course. This is me. Here's the universe. God does not want us to, that God does just not want us to be happy. God is up to all kinds of things redeeming us, conforming us into the likeness of his son, um, rescuing us from the dominion of darkness and bringing us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He is up to so many things in our lives, including allowing us at this point, this side of heaven, to be subject to this much of the brokenness in our own lives, hearts, cultures, world, tragedy. He's not about us being happy, but he's about being present with us in all that the world has in store. So you see... That stuff keeps us captive. Look at the verse eight again. See to it that no one fools you. No one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on what? On Christ. Now, the truth of Christ is what sets us free and just... We're not going to have time to preach on it, but we've got to read it. Look at the truth of Christ. It's the, it's the verses in the rest of the passage there. I don't even have my right page open. Here it is. Verse 9, for in Christ, for in Christ, he says, contrary to those things, in Christ, here's the truth about in Christ. Pick, pick a cool thing in here to understand about in Christ. Pick something in here that's part of the faith that we understand. For in Christ, here's the truth, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. Okay, that means Jesus is God. And in Christ, you've been brought to fullness. In other words, you're, who you are is made complete in Jesus. Your destiny is to be made complete in Jesus. You're longing for who, what life is supposed to be and who you were created to be. It's in Jesus that that comes to its fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. There's a truth. You're not going to be subject to the lesser powers. 
In him you were also circumcised, and with the circumcision not performed by human hands, your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. You're like, wait, what circumcision? Yeah, look, Google it. (laughs) Do not Google it, students. You've been made new is the point of this in Christ. Your old self is gone. You're no longer subject to who that person was. And it goes on. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins, I'm in verse 13, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Man, that is cool. That's what's true in Christ. And we are to be going forward, our way forward, continuing in our life in him is to be strengthened in the faith. What's the point of this point? I missed the, the point of last point. The point of, the, the point of being rooted and built up in him, by the way, is are, are you building carefully? Every brick, every board, every step, every conversation, every dollar, every day on the foundation of Christ. That's me going back to the point of the first rooted and built in him. What's the point of this one? Strengthened in the faith as you were taught? Are you strengthening yourself in the word? Are you strong in the word? Are you immersing yourself in the word? Are you steeping yourself in the word? Are you becoming experts in the faith? Does that describe you? Because if not, you will be taken captive by hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And that is not who you were made to be. You are agents of God's kingdom and truth and all the freedom that comes from being in the truth. That's what you do. I implore you. I don't know how many times I've said this to this church. This is why pastors move on after a a period of ministry because I I don't have any more messages in me. Are you a man of God's word? Are you a woman of God's word? Steeped in it, strengthened in the faith. That's where freedom comes from. I was just with a guy who said to me, he goes, this is interesting. He goes, I realize I'm loving God's word and I'm wanting to pass that down to my kids. He goes, but I read the Bible on my iPad every day. And so my kids think I'm playing games. They don't know that I read the Bible. So I had to go out and buy a paper Bible so that when I'm reading it, my kids see that I'm reading it and I can pass on that value and it can be left on my study. They don't think I'm just, you know, playing angry birds. Are you steeped in God's word? As you were taught, there's this teaching component to it. Do you see that in, your, in, the, in the scriptures? Let's not miss that word. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. There's a teaching component. We teach one another in this. This is why we get together and we even do what we're doing here. It'd be sweet to just have wor- you know, music, worship, and prayer, and, and, and liturgy, and, and, and the sacraments, but we actually teach every Sunday morning, not because you can't figure it out. Like, right, in 21 seconds, you had my outline already figured out. So we're not smarter than, than you. Well, we're smarter than some of you. <laughs> but, and that's not true, we, we, we're so intimidated because you guys, look at you. I mean, 
but we're rehearsing these truths together. We're teaching them. And I hope, and let me say this, let me go out on a limb. We believe that you cannot grow the way you were designed to grow unless you're rehearsing those truths with other people in a smaller setting, in a smaller group. The reason I'm doing this little dumb thing and making you all uncomfortable and I'm getting, making eye contact with you and stuff like that is to kind of, just to paint a picture like, listen, we engage in the truth together and we dialogue. We're not dialoguing, it's fake. This is just a symbol. But are you engaged in a smaller group where you're teaching this faith with one another and rehearsing those truths? In fact, I'm just gonna challenge you, if you're not in a small group and you wanna be in one, we're putting some more small groups together for the fall. We've got women's and men's ministries that exist. You can find those on the website. If you're like, well, okay, sign me up for one of the new small groups, like, you know, co-ed, so to speak. Like, I'm, I'm in. Take that card out of the, out of the um, take this share card out of the thing and write down your, your contact info and write, I wanna join a small group in the fall and we'll assign you. And we won't assign you to the group with the most attractive, unbelievable home or the most amazing hostess or the most amazing Bible teacher. We're gonna assign you with losers like you, okay? <laughs> so don't all rush to fill that out. <laughs> Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Okay, I gotta be done. Here we go. What's the third one? You know what the third one is. You see it right there. Look at it. You look at it. What does it say? Overflowing with thankfulness. What a weird thing for him to say at the end of all this. He's saying, listen, life's gonna require more of you than just receiving Christ. It's gonna need more than that. It's gonna need you continuing him. How do you continue in him? You're rooted, you're built up in him every brick. You're strengthened in the faith. You become a person of God's word, teaching one another in God's word. And then the last thing he says is overflowing with thankfulness. I thought they were going to get harder and harder as it went along. Like maybe it was going to be this difficult task. Like, oh boy. And then, you know, share your faith with a thousand people per day for the rest of your life. Or I didn't know what it was going to say. But overflowing with thankfulness. Doesn't that seem a little, a little less intense sort of than the other two? And it seems like overflow. Now, why would he say overflowing with thankfulness? I think it's a pretty cool uh, thing. It's, apparently, thankfulness is, is, uh, is big for him. If you look at verse 15 of chapter 3, since your Bibles are open, just glance at that. So the next chapter, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This is verse 15 of chapter 3. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then what does it say? And be thankful. And be thankful. Look at, look at chapter 4, the next chapter, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer, friends, being watchful and thankful. Thankfulness apparently is a pretty big deal to him. Gratitude is a huge part of our living. Look at, and the first word it says, it just doesn't say, hey, be thankful in our text in, in chapter two. It says, in, verse, in uh, chapter two, seven, it says, what's the word it uses to describe your thankfulness? Overflowing. Isn't that a great, honey, come on. Just see if she would come to me. <laughs> no, I didn't think so. <laughs> Overflowing, it says. Overflowing. I love that. I love that phrase, overflowing. You know what overflowing means? Overflowing. It just means a lot. It means abundant. It's the same word that where, where, where a river would overflow its banks and just spread out infinitely just traveling to the path of least resistance, just more and more. It's abundant. It's more than we need. It has the, it has the tone of being way more than you know, we, anybody needs. That's how our thankfulness is supposed to be. That is a fascinating third point about how it is that we continue on, that our, uh, that our thankfulness is to be overflowing in how we continue on. 
Some of us go, well, that doesn't make any sense because if, if I'm struggling, if I've had a tragedy in my life, then I can't, like, or if I'm stuck in the middle or I can't find the joy in a situation, like, how am I thankful? We've been talking about this contending piece. You look a couple of different scriptures, 1 Timothy chapter 1, Philippians chapter 4. There's some scriptures about even while you're contending, you're praying and you're petitioning and you're crying out to God and you haven't yet seen God come through and you haven't seen God's solutions yet, you're still to be thankful in the middle of it. Philippians 4 is super famous. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, with prayer and petition and what? Thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. With prayer and petition in the midst of the anxious circumstances. You pray it out. You contend for it with thanksgiving. And let the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will rule your hearts and your minds. In the middle of contending, situations not solved, pains not gone, we're still there with thanksgiving. Why? Why would that be the third point? Why in the middle of contending would we also be overflowing with thanksgiving? Somebody raise your hand and tell me why you think that might be biblical, part of God's solution. Something is broken, sad, unfixed, unclear. Something can be going wrong, but there's other stuff that God has shown himself for. Think about the genius of that on God's angle. So that if you're losing faith that this one thing could ever be made right, could ever be redeemed, I could ever be healed from it. If we're losing faith that that one thing could ever be touched by God's goodness, we start making a list of all the things that have gone before where God has come through. And it strengthens our faith for that. Any other thoughts? Why would this be the third thing? Why would this be part of our continuing forward? Yeah. It's a rehearsal that God is good. He's like, you can't forget in the middle of what it may feel like sometimes. You can't forget that I'm good. I'm good, and listen, and I've been good to you. I know it doesn't feel like it over here, and I know that feels like it erases the whole thing, but I've been good to you. So be overflowing with your thankfulness. I'm running out of time, but I want you to see this clip. This is this thankfulness piece. This is all over uh, secular research right now about the part that thankfulness plays in our, our emotional health. Uh, Dr. Brene Brown has this great little clip I want you to see, and then we'll finish up. I think the relationship between joy and gratitude was one of the most important things I found, I found in the research. Um, I wasn't expecting it, um, but what I found, you know, 12 years of research, um, 11,000 pieces of data, I, ha I did not interview in all that time a person who would describe themselves as joyful or describe their lives as joyous who did not actively practice gratitude. Um, and for me, it was very counterintuitive because I kind of went into the research thinking that the relationship between joy and gratitude was, if you're joyful, then you should be grateful. But it wasn't that way at all. It was really that practicing gratitude invites joy into our lives. And when I say practice, I think this is, 
this is the part that really changed my life. It changed my family and the way we live every day. When I say practice gratitude, I don't mean kind of like the attitude of gratitude or feeling grateful. I mean practicing gratitude. These folks shared in common a tangible gratitude practice. They either kept gratitude journals. Um, some of them did interesting things like at 1, 2, 3, 4, like at 12, 34 every day. They said something out loud that they were grateful for. They, um, one of the things that we do, like we say grace at dinner. And so now after grace, we go around and everyone in my family says something they're grateful for. I mean, and what's interesting is when we first started, I have um, a first grader, a first grade son, Charlie, and eighth grade daughter, Alan. And at first I thought, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now, like they're going to like, oh God, mom. And it, there was a little like, this is, you know, are you experimenting on us? <laughs> there was a little bit of that. But now what's interesting, even after we did it for like a couple of weeks, that on those crazy busy nights where we're trying to like get to soccer and piano and homework and Steve and I are just like, we say, we say a quick prayer and we start eating and my kids are like, whoa, what are you grateful for? And it's been extraordinary because not only absolutely does it invite more joy into our house, um, it also is such a soulful window into what's going on in my kids' lives. You know, so there are some days where my eighth grader will be like, I'm joyful that there's a huge thick wall between my room and my brother's room. You know, something just very, you know, honest. But there are other days she'll say, you know, she had a friend whose mother recently died. Um, and she said, you know, for a month she would say, I'm just so grateful that y'all are healthy right now. You know, and so not only did it make us all more aware of what we had and more willing to slow down and really be thankful for the joyful moments we had, but it let me know where she was emotionally in her life. You know, and my son is, is always, you know, I'm grateful for bugs, I'm grateful for frogs, but sometimes he'll say, you know, I'm grateful that you picked me up early, or, you know, I'm grateful that I finally understand adjectives, <laughs> you know? So it's, there's a great quote um, that says, it's not, grat it's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. And... Um, it's by a Jesuit brother, a Jesuit priest. And I guess I was just amazed to find that bubble up so strongly in the research. It's life-changing. It's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. That's biblical. And she even ties this research to those that struggle with anxiety and those that do not struggle with anxiety. And one of the number one components to those who do not struggle with anxiety is they have a conscious practice of gratitude in their lives. Friends, when we face the world that we're facing and we face the family and personal struggles that we face, the fear and the anxiety that comes to overtake us can be combated, the scriptures say, the research shows, by stopping and rehearsing the truth that our God is good. Our God is very good and the world is very broken. The world is very broken, but our God is very good. And he meets us in those places. This is why Paul says, as the third part of this, so overflow with gratitude. Ben, why don't you guys come out and we're gonna finish in worship this morning, but that's why he ends that way. He's not saying, pretend that this little thing is little and look at all the good things God's done. He said, in the midst of contending, in the midst of growing up into the Lord, in the midst of strengthening yourselves in the truth, start rehearsing the things that God has done. For God is good, and he's been good to me, 
and he can strengthen me to face whatever it is that I'm in and that I will face. So what's the point of that point? Do you practice gratitude? Do you have a practice in your life of returning to him thanks for who he is and what he's done and what you know he can do? So we're going to do that just as we finish in worship. Why don't you stand and we're going to worship the Lord. And um, even as during this song, if you want, you know, one of those white cards is there. You can, and a little at the very end, you can put that on our offering plate as we do our offering at the end of the gathering. But maybe even just write down a practice, something that you're grateful for. Maybe you need that reminder as we finish with these songs of worship. Our God has always been there with enough grace. And he will for this as well.